Hello and welcome to episode 132 of the Grip Strip Podcast, the Encumbered Much Open Wheel Redux edition of the Grip Strip Podcast. My name is Philip Matthew. I'm your host, and I'm here with my co-host Joshua Fine, listening to the uh, the Cars Late Model Race at North Wilkesboro. I'm wearing my Dale Earnhardt shirt, Dale Jr. shirt, um, since I ordered two of them. Uh, so I'm going to wear the one. Uh, Josh is rooting on his boy who just pitted, and I was doing an impression of the announcers there. So um, how's it going, Josh? Hey, Phil, I'm doing great here watching this Cars Tour race at North Wilkesboro Speedway. We got Dale Earnhardt Jr. Uh, making his way towards the front of the pack here at North Wilkesboro. <laughs> I feel like you're like I, I feel like you sound like Hank Hill and you should be selling me propane. And then I could be boom going on and that's where that whole like like I remember back when I was with Adam and doing the show back in the day and he would do his Boomhauer impression and then my Boomhauer impression would slide into like a Dale Jr., which was like a combination of Boomhauer's like a combination of Sterling Marlin and Dale Jr. So that was what that was. So we always called him Boomhauer. And then I did the Dale Jr. And it's kind of slipped in here now that he's slide job. And, you know, and when he goes and, and says all the stuff and mirror, mirror, and all, all the different words, he his his vernacular, which is uniquely Dale Jr. Um, the fact that he's back in a race car driving is nice. Uh, Carson Kvapel, uh, he's also in that race. There's plenty of good drivers in that Cars Tour. They put out a good story about the guy who runs a Cars Tour. I think he was putting over Dale Jr. and uh, Marcus Smith. I mean, I guess it helps when Dale Jr. is friends with one of the biggest people that runs motor racetracks. Uh, I think that's we can thank those two guys for why North Wilkesboro's back. I think yeah. this is one of the last races on pavement. They're going to run some dirt races. Yeah, here. this is the last race on pavement, I believe, and then and they're going to tear up the uh, pavement and run dirt in October, and then um, they're going to reconstruct the place in 2023, and then I think they'll reopen in 2024. It looks like. Yeah, hopefully they'll run they'll run Arca in the Truck Series there. Uh, you could see the new. I assume that's going to be the new. Um, I guess booth like the 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 announced booth and like uh, other I guess the um, main area for where uh, all the big players would be up there. That'll be on the back stretch now, um, based on what we've seen so far. And then the front stretch are going to have to do a lot of remodeling uh, there. I, I I hope that they're going to read make sure that the victory lane stays the way it is and just redo it for. 2022 i mean bristol ended up basically stealing the idea but they just have a drive up instead of actually having a lift um indianapolis jumped ahead of that with roger penske and made a lift for their victory lane um and made the podium a bigger piece for their victory lane so thanks north wilkesburn that uh in that case for what you've given us and now the fact you're back is huge uh we were on with Joe Passero a couple days ago. We'll post that show here uh, shortly. Um, hopefully it'll be up and you'll get both of these back to back. But we were talking about all things NASCAR a couple days ago, but even in two days, a lot of a lot has changed. So we're going to start this episode with the fact that Jeremy Clements, his victory because of a manifold issue at uh 
at after the post race uh, teardown at the R and D center came up uh, came up illegal, which means uh, he loses his victory at Daytona or he gets an L two penalty, so he keeps he keeps his victory, but essentially it doesn't count for jack crap. He's going uh, to they're gonna go and um, counter the penalty. They're gonna go and uh, I, they're gonna fight it. I, from what I've seen. They say they're going to go and um, uh, try to go and fight that penalty there. So that's something we will see because, of course, they know if they don't fight that penalty, they're probably not going to make the playoff. Uh, yeah, they're going to go and, and and appeal. Yeah. So intake manifold issue. Um, they're going to they got an L2, which has a sixty thousand dollar fine for his crew chief, Mark Setzer, 75 owner point loss, 75 driver point loss, 10 playoff point loss, which is eh, similar to what Brad Keselowski and, and Michael McDowell uh, incurred this year in the cup series in their regular season. I mean, I, I mean, uh, Brad's was even worse actually, I think, but uh, essentially torpedoed both of them. Uh, in the case of McDowell, he'd run generally good enough where he had gotten through, I don't know how many, 18 of the wrecks that took place on Sunday. He might've had a chance to win and get himself in, uh, at Daytona, but, um, big, big penalty. Uh, it says during our intake manifold, this is from Jeremy Clements post on Twitter, his Twitter handle during NASCAR's teardown process of our Daytona engine, our intake manifold was found to be too short from the carburetor face to the bottom of the plenum. This deviation restricts power to the motor, eliminating positive in- impact to the motor's performance. Uh, we are appreciative of NASCAR's thorough inspection process. Look forward to the opportunity to have our voice heard. We appreciate the continued support of our fans and partners as we allow the process to play out. Uh, so essentially what Jeremy Clements is saying is what they found, what NASCAR found in their teardown procedure um, to be pe- a penalty was not something to gain an advantage. Um, it, in a lot of ways, Josh, it sounds like what happened to Carl Long uh, many years ago when his engine ended up being, you know, they said he had the engine came up the block, it was too big, and all. he had a big engine, even though it was an old motor, it had it was tired, and it was a few cubic inches above 358, and they threw the death penalty on him, and they and the team owner C. Dixon that was he was working for, they basically buried him, and it took Carl Long four or five years to get back into the sport. And the irony in all of this, L two penalty doesn't mean he loses the win for Jeremy Clements, but the guy that finishes second is Timmy Hill, who drives for Carl Long in the thirteen car. So there's just there's a weird symmetry on how that whole thing works. Uh, the way penalties seem to work in NASCAR, uh, they always seem to throw the book at the big, the little guy, and they don't really throw aggressive penalties at the big guy. Because at the end of the day, I guess you can say that it, it affected Martin Truex, or or no, it didn't affect Martin Truex because the top two guys at at Pocono were the eleven and eighteen. So okay, my my fault on that, but. You know, when they throw penalties out, they usually throw penalties on the little guys, screw them over to basically go and say, hey, big teams don't do this. Uh, In the sense of knocking Jeremy Clements out of the playoff, I don't really understand why you would do that because he's a non-fat. I mean, God bless Jeremy Clements and his team. 
but they're a non-factor for this championship. That's the best they've run all year, and that took after 90% of the field getting yard sealed for him to be there. What do you gain in a marketing or media standpoint knocking him out of the playoff when he's a feel-good story in a series that's essentially Ty Gibbs, uh, three-quarters of junior motorsports, and A.J. Allmendinger. I mean, that's essentially what we're talking. I mean, and, and if we're really going to get into it, it's half of junior motorsports, the seven and the, the nine car, A.J. Allmendinger, and Ty Gibbs. And then after that, you have Josh Berry. Yeah, you have Sam Mayer. Uh, Herbst has actually had a good year for himself, considering how terrible he is. Um, it kind of speaks to why... You know, I keep on saying Boswell should be on the 14 pit box. It speaks to that right there. If he's going to make Riley Herbst useful, he should be in the Cup Series, not in the Xfinity Series. Um, But in regards to Jeremy Clements, uh, it's unfortunate for him and his team at the moment. Now, if the appeal works out, then um, uh, it could be good for him and his organization to make the playoff, finish top 11 points. If it doesn't, he's kind of going to need a miracle here uh, over the next, what, three weeks to um, make this uh, playoff because they have three races to go before they start their playoff uh, format there, Josh. Yeah, I mean, it's a interesting situation there with uh, Jeremy Clements getting penalty uh, the penalty like that. Um, somehow, yeah, somehow this penalty is not as severe as, uh, you know, Denny Hamlin's penalty in Pocono, yet they're basically not going to let this win count towards the playoffs. So it's basically, you know, you keep the trophy, but not the benefits, you know, so it's, you know, really, really interesting how they go about, you know, these penalties, because I would think that in my mind that a man, you know, intake manifold uh, penalty or issue would uh, have more of an advantage than I guess the aerodynamic thing. But, you know, one's, I don't know, you know, guess one counts more than the other uh, there with, with uh, the body panels on on the 11 and the 18, but um, yeah, it screws over the 13 team with Carl Long and Timmy Hill because they don't get a chance to claim a win. Although, you know, I'm sure that they would rather have just won the race on the racetrack. You know, I think that's you know better experience, and certainly they didn't get it done there. But you know, they definitely don't get the win after the penalty. Um, but yeah, now Clements, you know, doesn't have a playoff spot, so um, you know he's going to have to you know, get lucky again, or, um, you know, have something happen. Uh, and he's probably, you know, out of contention now, unless they somehow go on a tear, which possibly, I mean, maybe they are like, Oh, well we lost our spot. Now we got to really go for this and come up with strategies to finish in the, you know, top 10 or something, uh, for the next couple of weeks until their playoffs start, uh, which I think their, uh, cutoff race is Bristol. So, you know, the, um, that's I guess it's possible, but it's, you know now it's very unlikely now that they make the playoffs and um, yeah now now we have um, playoff drivers. Uh, I mean it was not like Jeremy Clements was going to win the championship or anything, but you know he certainly would be a feel good story. You know first couple of races, hey you know anything could happen, could could make it to the second round based on the results. You know someone has three bad races and they are able to make it in. You know that's certainly possible, but uh, the way you know the way that uh, the series is. Um, you know, I think at the end of the day, yeah, it was, you know, it's definitely just going to be junior motorsports, Ty Gibbs, um, and, uh, AJ Allmendinger. And then, uh, you know, any, anybody else that, I mean, maybe, maybe, uh, Riley Herbst or somebody that can maybe make it to the round of eight or somebody, uh, like that. But, 
yeah, this uh, this playoffs uh, you know got a little bit, I guess, a little bit less interesting. Um, but you know, the overall scope, it you know doesn't really change anything other than you know um, a, a feel good story for you know a small funded team that you know, only has five uh, full time employees. Yeah, it's something we're going to go and look at. I mean, that it also speaks to the whole penalty procedure that NASCAR has. I think there should be a <clears throat> there should be a if you don't pass inspection, no matter when the hell it happens, they do one one inspection at at the racetrack, and then if you don't pass inspection, that's it. You know, like it should be X amount of points, X penalty, you lose or win, all that. You know, whatever. Like that's just how it should be, and I I hate to say that uh, wanting to see Jeremy Clements win, but they didn't pass based on whatever metric that NASCAR has, uh, which is always they make it up as they go along. Anyway, I mean Kevin Harvick said it on Sunday during the rain delay, um, so it, it makes sense that they make it up as they go along. Uh, it's unfortunate, but we will see what happens with that, and the appeal probably be next week sometime after Darlington. So. Uh, be on the lookout for that. Uh, hopefully we'll get an answer by the time. I mean, we'll, I figure we'll do it on Labor Day anyways, cause we'll be home. Uh, but even if we don't, uh, we'll probably do it next Wednesday, but we'll see what happens with that in regards to, uh, all the racing and what that appeals process comes through. Now, the other piece of news on the NASCAR aside, major piece of news is that, and it was funny how um, Corey LaJoy brought it up on his Stacking Pennies podcast about how, oh, why don't they go and switch drivers around and let Bubba Wallace go and drive the 45 car since they're involved in the owner's championship because Ryan Blaney is involved in the driver's championship can still win the Cup Series title as a driver. But Roger Penske, or whoever the hell's listed as a car owner of the 12 car, um, would not win the owner's championship because there were 16 winners in the Cup Series in the regular season, which includes Kurt Busch in the 45 car. Of course, Kurt Busch gave up his waiver to run in the playoff, but the 45 car is eligible. They have Ty Gibbs subbing. They've had Ty Gibbs sub ever since Kurt Busch got injured at Pocono. Uh, there's two layers, there's multiple layers to this because now Denny Hamlin has, is a part of it, the owner, half part owner of that team. Uh, Bubba Wallace is going to be involved in the playoff in regards to the owner points playoff because unlike, I think, unlike the um, the driver point situation, I think, I, I, I mean, I might be wrong, Josh, but I think the the owner points situation just goes across the board without resets and all that. Maybe I'm wrong. I maybe have to look back in previous years, but well, there is an owner's chase, yeah. so um, there is that. But um, and yeah, it is based on the car finish uh, and everything. So the owners' championship does have a different thing. We have seen in the past in the Xfinity series, uh, you know, especially when. Uh, you know, the era where cup drivers were competing in it, uh, have a chance to go for the championship. Um, I don't know if it was, you know, before the era, it might've been before the era that they did playoffs in the Xfinity series and, uh, the truck series, but I, there have been instances where, uh, a cup, basically a team with cup drivers in Xfinity, uh, I think, you know, 22 Penske racing when, when they were swapping it with, 
uh, Brad and Joey and uh, whoever Blaney. else, Blaney too. So, uh, well, that might have been before Blaney, but. 18 yeah. cars well yeah that's too kyle bush and a bunch of other guys yeah so it's uh, a good example yeah. of the you know owner's championship being different from the driver's championship there uh so you know it's just another another example of that and we'll you know we'll see i guess in the owner's championship it will make things a little bit more interesting to watch um you know if the 45 team is uh you know out of or can get into the next round and everything and i think you know the other thing you have to uh look at is um you know how is this going to work is you know bubba wallace basically going to have the same team or is you know he going to go i mean he actually going to swap yeah he they're teams. just essentially they're going to renumber numbers. the yeah they're going to renumber all the 45 as and the, the everybody the other way around and everybody is going to stay how they are um, yeah it's kind of like the old owner point swaps like when um what was that loser um kevin conway they they had to keep on swapping his um, car owner points week to week. Oh yeah, because yeah. He stuck so bad for front row motorsports. He ended up winning rookie of the year. Oh yeah, he ended Michael up leaving. Yeah, and then he ended up going and changing over to Robbie Gordon's team, and that they had like some his sponsor was like Extends, and they didn't pay the bills, and Robbie Gordon sued him or some shit. But he still won rookie of the year. So um, talk about ED, but. Um, you brought Gordon, up Michael Waltrip, yeah. Robbie Gordon, Kevin Conway, hard on pills, and we all combined it with the fact that um, we brought up Kurt Busch earlier in terms of him being at, uh, well, I think we talked about it earlier before we got on air. He's uh, walking around in North Wilkesboro, but he's not able to drive. Hopefully he'll be able to get back in a race car sooner rather than later. But um, the notion is Bubba Wallace is going to be driving the 45 car for the next 10 weeks, uh, making the people who sit and pick up trucks with their sunglasses and their, you know, the country blumpkin types and the LCD and the, oh gosh, you know, that dang, ju- that dang Bubba Wallace, he don't deserve to be in that goddamn chase. He drives for fucking 2311 and it's a business decision. So who are you going to blame? Are you going to go after the greatest basketball player alive ever, or are you going to go after Denny Hamlin? They know that if they put Bubba in the car, they have a better chance of actually competing for an owner's championship because the guy has driven that car all year. And let's be fair, Ty Gibbs is competing for an Xfinity title. There's enti- It's entirely possible that Ty Gibbs is just getting, because he's not going to be able to compete for Rookie of the Year. I don't know how the hell they're going to come up with the metric that he goes and gets to compete for Rookie of the Year next year if he's in cup after he runs the last half of the season. But fact of the matter is he's probably running this car until about four or five races to go in the season, which in turn affects his Xfinity situation. But I think they're hedging because they know that it's helping him because of his, you know, skill ability and wanting to be able to learn. And if he goes out there and is able to do work in a cup car, finish top 20, good points, keep the car in good owner point situation. It's better money in the charter sit, charter setup. Good. And he sets himself up on the pretense that he's going to probably take over the 18 car because for all intents and purposes, it seems like Kyle Busch's um, direction is going towards Chevrolet and college racing or RCR or something like that, based on all these rumors that are going around. Um, personally, if it were mean with my bias, I would be like, 
if I was Tony, like if I'm Tony Stewart, I'm like you fucking cocksucker, Gene Haas. You made that fourth car and you put Kurt Busch in the car when we shouldn't have had four cars in the first place. We still shouldn't have four cars. You probably shouldn't even have three cars, but we have four cars. Eric Almirola just signed at least a two-year extension and has a full sponsor. Kevin Harvick's got full sponsorship. I My guy is in the 14, the guy that I know that has potential, and I'm going to build around him. We're gonna, we have to work on the 14 car. We want Briscoe to be a big thing because he came from nothing and he's become something. Harvick's going away soon. Al Marola's going away soon. You had your bets. You put Kyle Busch in the 41 car because you know the money is going to come. You know the fact that him coming to Ford immediately lifts the the driver development program because Kyle Busch Motorsports vehicles, both in trucks and in late models, are first class. Gene Haas's money to spill, to, to just throw away. That's why he's in Formula One. That's what he's been doing in Formula One ever since 2015 or wherever the fuck he came into Formula One. They've been irrelevant for most of their time in Formula One. They're about to get rid of Mick Schumacher. When, why wouldn't you keep Mick Schumacher? Because he's a face, he's a name, he has all that. No, we're just going to get rid of him, and we don't know who the hell we're going to sign. The hell kind of logic is that? You're going to keep Kevin Magnuson, who's a good driver, solid, and I like him anyway, but who are you going to put in that second car? You're going to put Daniel Ricciardo? If you're going to pay Daniel Ricciardo, who has not done anything in a Formula One car, he's, he's won one race since what 2015 or 2016 and you're going to put him in a car and you're going to pay him 20 million dollars why the fuck aren't you going to pay Kyle Busch 20 million and put him in the 41 car and he can bring his sponsorship with Rowdy Energy he can bring all this thing and do that 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 to me is just crazy Ford it's it's typical of Ford I'm going on this rant right now before we move forward because we have to talk about this whole bubble walls changing, swapping numbers and all that. Ford has had this issue for decades. It started with Jeff Gordon, Kurt Busch, Kyle Busch. You know, uh, those are three. Those are the three best examples of guys that were Ford drivers at some point that were lost to another manufacturer. William Byron was a Toyota guy for a year, and then Hendrick swooped back in and got him back. He was a Chevy guy in the late model ranks, went to Toyota. Toyota didn't sign him. Rick Hendrick was able to bring him back to the fold. And now, of course, he's driving the 24 car. Case Elliott, the only reason we have Clyde where he is with the major sponsor that he has is because Michael Waltrip, because of Michael Waltrip and a niche that had to be scratched at Richmond. Let's be let's be completely clear about that. Even though Brett Griffin says that that. Clint Boyer did nothing wrong, which tells you all you need to know about him and Clint Boyer. But um, Ford has whiffed on talent over the years. They've let talent go. They've been too cheap. Uh, you know, they let Jeff Gordon go. They kept Robbie Gordon. And in the end, they let Robbie Gordon go. Back in the day, they didn't give Tommy Kendall his just due. I mean, it, there's, I mean, there's so many stories about Ford and how they fucked up. This is the time... To go and reverse it. Kyle Bush, and I'm not even a Kyle Bush guy. I've been this show's been on for 132 episodes. I do not like Kyle Bush. It is I can't stand him as a person. He's a douche. But the guy can drive and the guy has built he's built some great things. And the fact is he's actually getting better. Probably because now he has a daughter. He has to actually be a good person. Because how is he gonna explain to both of his kids that he's an he's an asshole? Um the reality of the world is 
if Gene Haas really wants to make his team relevant and he wants that team to be good, he goes and says to Cole Custer, hey, bitch, you suck. We'll go and buy Alpha Prime. We'll buy out Alpha Prime. and We'll buy a seat for you, and you can go and drive the Xfinity Series. And you can go and, 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 and pick on those guys for a little bit, drive a year two years in the Xfinity series and then come back up to the cup series when Kevin Harvick is um, ready to retire or whatever the hell it'll be. Or when Kyle Busch decides, Hey, I'm going to retire. That's, that's the way to hedge. Um, but I think he's going to call it personally, but you know, that's my aside. Uh, my, I mean, talking about Kyle Busch, Kurt Busch, all that Kurt Busch now, um, it doesn't seem like he's going to come back the rest of the season, Josh. And uh, Bubba Wallace will get an opportunity to drive with his buddy Bubba Wallace or um, Ryan Blaney in the playoffs. So Bubba Wallace is battling for the owners' championship. Can't drive for the owner drivers' championship. And Ryan Blaney is going for the drivers' championship. Can't battle for the owners' championship. So um, thoughts on all of that as we get into Darlington this coming weekend. Yeah, I mean, you know, good rant there about <clears throat> about Fords, but and that you know their driver lineups, but. No, I mean, for this, uh, yeah, this whole deal, I mean, obviously, Bubba Wallace, um, there, it's a business decision putting him in the uh, owner's uh, playoffs, uh, give him the best chance to go for an owner's title, you know, so that they have an opportunity there as, uh, you know, their first or, you know, first year in the playoffs. Uh, so they have that opportunity to do that. Uh, so the 45 you know, basically the current 45 car gets renumbered to the 23 and the 23 team gets renumbered to the 45. That's, you know, basically how it's going to work. But uh, it's an interesting situation. You know, we've seen, like I've told you in the past or, you know, before the show, um, you know, we've seen it in the past with, you know, other teams coming in uh, to the playoffs uh, in, you know, in Xfinity series and truck series. But for, uh, this uh, situation is very unique because it comes because of the uh, Gen 7 car, and we got a crash here. Uh, spin out. No, no, no caution. Oh, yes, caution. Corey Heim gets into it in turn one uh, at North Wilkesboro. But um, uh, for for Bubba Wallace, Kurt Busch, this is a unique situation because the Gen 7 car uh, is pretty stiff, and you know there's been a lot of controversy about it, and um, this is just really the latest chapter in that, uh, with uh, Kurt Busch potentially being out for the year, and Kyle or Bubba Wallace taking over. And Bubba Wallace himself uh, was very uh, pointed and livid on the radio uh, after his, you know, partake in the crashes on Sunday at Daytona, and you know, just speaks speak to maybe NASCAR getting it wrong. And so far, they've yet to address the issues with the Gen Seven car. Uh, and the chassis being too stiff uh, for the drivers and drivers uh, taking the brunt of impact. And of course, tied in again with, you know, what's happening now, Denny Hamlin, the owner of 2311, supposed to originally drive the Xfinity series race on Saturday and still too sore uh, from his uh, incident uh, in the big one last Sunday at Daytona. And, uh, Danny Hamlin, you know, said he on Sunday he felt like felt like a boxer, you know, getting hit in the jaw and getting hit pretty hard, or you know, getting you know, uh, pretty hard impact there. And uh, Danny Hamlin um, deciding hey, he needs to not race and uh, go out and uh, take a, a rest day uh, to get ready for the big big race, uh, the Southern Five Hundred, the day after. So um, 
yeah, it, it's just a unique situation with you know how the way this is all playing out because of the um, potential issues with or not potential, but the issues that the uh, Gen Seven car has with um, the chassis stiffness and not having much give. Um, and of course, uh, there's just you know been more stuff coming out. Uh, you know, with the driver comments, there was a thread on Twitter today with uh, driver comments throughout the season based on you know drivers saying that you know this is. They've you know had the hardest hit they've ever had in their career. You know, Bubba, Bubba Wallace saying that um, you know he had that crash crash a couple of years ago in uh, Pocono where he hit pretty hard, and that was a you know pretty scary wreck there. And then now two times this year he's had two crashes at Atlanta back in March and then Talladega uh, back in uh, May where uh, both of those impacts were harder than that Pocono hit in 2018. Um, you know you had. Uh, Joey Logano uh, having driver's side impact at the Coca-Cola 600, um, and he said that was the hardest hit he took of his career. Um, at the aforementioned Denny Hamlin uh, uh, report from Sunday, um, you know, just uh, you know a lot of things. And Christopher Bell reported that you know it definitely feels a lot harder. Um, people saying that just getting hit in the the rear of the car, just a even a bump in the rear, seems pretty hard. Uh, so there's a lot of a lot of uh, issues there, and uh, of course there's a thread also on uh, NASCAR Reddit, uh, and won't go too much into it, but you know um, it says you know the guy is saying it's time for the media to do their job. Question: AB Dynamics, I guess that's the uh, company that did the testing, crash testing with NASCAR, and they've had 5,000 crashes plus of crash test uh, data, and. Uh, this guy uh, has a lot of articles that he linked and put together to uh, make a, a hypothesis that um, that NASCAR and AB Dynamics cut corners, save money, uh, and that there was actually uh, data to show severity of the crashes. So, um, yeah, he, he's, it's a good post, uh, and it's in interesting to see how this will all play out will nascar have to address this um you know i think um they've got some kind of driver's union not i don't know if it's a, a council or anything uh you know with uh jeff burton i think is in it denny hamlin's in it i think um so we'll have to see if they decide to come together and um protest or uh you know put out a, a public release or something saying that you know we we can't we can't race like this and the drivers take a stand or something. Cause it's, it's gonna, you know, obviously we already seen Kurt Busch, uh, with his concussion and, you know, who knows, maybe there's other drivers that have concussions right now. And of course you're supposed to get tested and everything, but, um, maybe, maybe it's not enough to register a test, but you know, they definitely feel pretty woozy after, um, getting hit or, you know, getting in an impact like that. You know, it's like, it's like in football, you know, you, um, have these hits right maybe it doesn't give you a concussion but you know you you get um you feel pretty sore afterwards and everything and of course all of that leading to uh cte right and these drivers here um maybe i mean they probably may have cte or something later in their careers if you examine their brains uh you know after they're dead um we'll see how the impacts and stuff look like on their brains but um this just adds more on to that so um, there's, you know, just a lot, a lot to take in with the Gen 7, uh, impacts this year and, you know, hopefully they can address it and, 
um, get it resolved. Otherwise, you know, it can get ugly really fast. So we'll see. We'll have to see what happens. But you know, it's just not looking good uh, in terms of that story. Yeah, it's it's something that's been going on since they started the testing. Will Byron had a wreck at uh, ACS. We brought it up during the last episode, and he was a little shook up from that. Um, the fact that there's really no back end on these cars anymore because of the way cars are these days is one aspect of it. But then for all the things you learn from the Gen 5 and Gen 6 car, why wouldn't you incorporate it in the Gen 7 car unless you're trying to cut corners? Um, you should have more cushioning and there should be more, um, you know, like crushable structure in the back end within the shell of the car so that you don't have these huge hits, which Kurt Busch, across, you know, 25 years of being in NASCAR's top three series, not, I mean, I guess not 25, but thereabouts, 20 to 25, it all multiplies. It's the same thing that's going on with Junior. It's what happened to Junior. It's why he had to quit. It's why Ernie Irvin's accidents and Ricky Craven. I mean, how many other people do we have to go through? And then there was a video. I forget who's who was involved in it on Sunday. I forget whose video it was. And it was they were showing the driver thing, and he was having the head shake back and forth. And the thing that was crazy about it is reminding me of two things. Reminded me of two thousand, like I brought up in the previous episode when all those drivers died of the basal skull fractures. That was number one. Number two, when I saw that accident, the the accident, I don't know if it was Denny Hamlin or whoever, it reminded me of the late Eric Medlin and how his passing basically changed how NHRA built their cars because of the way the tire shake, the extreme tire shake that took place that had him have the head shake and movement in the car to where he had the brain injury to where he passed away. And that's for the asshole. This is for the asshole that says I'm not a journalist and I don't know my shit from the Grid Talk podcast, but he won't listen to this podcast because he's a fucking tool. Here, that's that tells you I can go and cross multiple formats and go and do the same and tell you real information. They had to change a car. That and John Force's accident when he crashed with Kenny Bernstein in Dallas and he got seriously injured basically set the tone for changes in AHRA. That was back in 2007, right? Yeah, that was 2007. It was in that area. Then you have, you know, Dale Earnhardt passing, but three other people passed because of basilar skull fractures. We're basically going back to that time because the car is so stiff. It's essentially like having T-Rex in 2022. That's what it is because they told Ray Everham, this car is legal with air quotes, but don't bring it back anymore because it's so stiff. We're not, if it hits the wall, we have a problem. Well, cars that weren't T-Rex hit the wall and we lost three drivers in all three series. Um, You know, Adam Petty, Kenny Irwin, Tony Roper. And then we lost one of the greatest of all time in Dale Earnhardt. I mean, granted, I don't think that was all car. I'm you know, his Dale Earnhardt being Dale Earnhardt is part of what probably did it to him. But the fact of the matter is the safety aspects plus the way the cars were built and all that and fine. But if Kurt Busch is out of this car and he's been driving all these years and he's a tough SOB and Denny Hamlin's Gavin issues and these young guys are having issues, what do you think is going to happen? When, when, when you figure Brad's going to talk because he's an owner, 
He's a he's a stakeholder now on top of being a driver. Joey Logano is a big piece now because he's going to be he's pen, he's a face of Penske Cup program, which is quite something to say considering he looks like Gilbert Gottfried. Um, but, you know, and he sounds like him, too. But, um, you know, you got these guys. You got Kyle Busch. He's saying, I need to go and hedge towards my future for my family. You have Denny Hamlin. He's got kids and all that. We're we're getting a there's there's a line in the sand here, and hopefully we get through these next ten weeks without major incidents like that. I mean Talladega notwithstanding, but there's a problem here, a major problem in regards to this um, Gen Seven uh, vehicle and how it's built relative to what um, we we need uh, for the drivers to be able to stay safe and uh, be able to drive and keep on going. Uh, we will definitely get into it next week, though. We'll see what happens at Darlington. It won't be, hopefully, not as many big hits and all that. But Yeah, well, transition. hold on, an update on the North Wilkesboro. We just got a caution here uh, spinning out with, I think, less than three laps to go, and Junior's in third, and Carson Quapel's got the lead. Junior, Junior's been passing guys, so... This is going to be interesting here on this restart. Doombug! That Dale Jr., God bless him, he's bringing it back to 1990, whatever the hell it was when he was driving it. Sundrop car back in North Wilkesboro and uh, Myrtle Beach, and Carson Quapple wasn't even a thought in Green Alabama, man. Coming up. He was. He was a. He was Alabama man. Didn't even think he was going to make that kid. And we're going to have a green white checkered. So um, we're going to go and transition between uh, go from late model stocks to Formula One. Uh, another <laughs> second generation driver, uh, fish lip Max Verstappen started 14th, basically um, won the race after Lewis Hamilton launched over Fernando Alonso's id and ego. And um, Fernando Alonso made a typical comment, which him or Max or Lando would say, since they're all jealous of Lewis Hamilton. Um, for, I mean, and and uh, in regards to Max Verstappen, he is 93 points ahead in the world championship, which for all those people that's that complained when Lewis was winning world championships, I don't remember 93 points with, what is it, uh, four nine races it's eight races to go because russia is not going to happen so there's going to be a huge gap after monza actually there's gonna be a three-week gap uh between monza and then um sochi so or not sochi um uh singapore uh so i mean verstappen essentially has won the world championship already uh he's 93 ahead of sergio perez 98 ahead of Charles Leclerc. after that i mean you know when you're thinking about 26 points it's it's over 100 so it's like 104 i mean for max Verstappen, and he won the race there at his home at one his actual home racetrack not the one that he's racing at this weekend uh he is a belgian national uh but he runs as a dutch citizen in in honor of his useless father uh but he ends up going and winning the uh belgian grand prix legitimately this time which i mean for him winning anything legitimately is something um he won by 17.8 seconds over his teammate sergio perez 
Carlos Sainz, who started on pole after all the grid penalties, was third. George Russell, fourth. Fernando Alonso, fifth. Charles Leclerc, after an absolute clusterfuck uh, uh, decision-making and all, finished sixth. Esteban Ocon, seventh. Sebastian Vettel, in his first race since announcing uh, his retirement, eighth. Pierre Gasly, ninth. And Alexander Albon gets another point for Williams. They had great pace uh, at at Spa with the low downforce and all. Uh, Lewis Hamilton was knocked out a few corners into the race. Valtteri Botas was also knocked out uh, off of Nicholas Latifi after he took grid penalties. So those are the two uh, retirements. Valtteri Botas was was celebrating his birthday and Lewis was there. But um, a nightmare scenario for the the old uh, Mercedes teammates. But Red Bull gets a 1-2. Uh, we know they're going to win the world championship, Josh, both in both both categories, both drivers and constructors. But uh, Max goes out there and makes it look easy, which I think is going to go on for the next three or four years. Uh, so for people who uh, like Max or stopping, you're probably not going to want to listen to this show. Yeah, well, real quick, they got they just took the white flag and Junior's in third. He's trying to go for second real quick. Hold on. In a couple seconds, he's Junior trying bumper. to go. He's trying to go and put the bumper to him. Trying to go and give him the bump and run, just like his daddy. Checkered flag. Carson Quapple Carson wins. Junior gets third. All right, ah. hey, good deal, good deal. All so, right, the number three Dale car Jr. finishes third. Dale Junior finishes third. There you go. See. All right. Yeah, good stuff. Jeff Burt. Jeff, I was going out there. I was going out there. I was driving at North Wilsboro, just like you, and you were driving out there back in the day. I finished third at North Wilsboro. I yeah. finished behind my driver. I hope so, they go and have. I hope they have Kyle and DJ and him do a segment during the Southern Five Hundred. That's that's something that I I really enjoy because those three guys together. Because Kyle Petty will just start telling stories and they'll both be laughing, and then DJ will try to bring it back, and then Dale will be like, "What the hell am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to keep control of this." It's really because I just like all of them. I appreciate all of them because it's part of my youth. But let's um, yeah, bring it back, back to Formula One. Arson Quapel getting that victory. Not shocked by that. I figured Junior Motorsports put a lot of energy into that deal. Um, Verstappen wins after having to take a bunch of engine and penalties. But he had the fastest car. He had eight tenths or he had 1.8 seconds on Mercedes. He had six or eight tenths in qualifying on Ferrari. Uh, it was basically, it was going to happen. Uh, the caution, the full course, full safety car that took place because Lewis and Alonso got together just kind of assisted in the the result. And then you see Ferrari doing Ferrari things, which screwed um, Charles Leclerc over. Yeah, of course. And, you know, with... Um... The way that this played out, I mean, yeah, you wouldn't expect uh, Verstappen to qualify 14th in the first place, but nonetheless, you know, that's where he was at the start of the race, and, you know, of course, has the best car in the field, and he's able to pass five cars in the first lap, and then, you know, the chaos between Lewis Hamilton and Fernando, that's another two spots there, and then Valtteri Botas fell out of the race also. Um, he's already up, you know, already up there, and... Um, only five racing laps uh, by the end of lap eight, and he's up to third, and he's got got the victory in hands already, and or insight 
you know, Carlos Sainz had the lead uh, from Perez, but uh, you know, Ferrari tried tried to uh, what undercut or overcut, even though uh, uh, Carlos was already in the lead. So uh, they tried to protect it by going first, and then they screwed up their strategy, and Verstappen was able to stay out and take the lead and um, dropped a second, but he uh, was only four and a half seconds behind Carlos Sainz, and then took the lead uh you know very soon after that and then um it was a you know just a dominating performance after that for Verstappen so um just very easy um shows when you have the best car in the field you know you can do things like that and then um continue to you know put the nail in the coffin for everybody else to go for the championship so um yeah it's continuing to look like Verstappen and I think you know I think the only way that he wins or loses the championship is if you know they have a sudden stretch of uh dnfs or anything like that where uh, you know allows ferrari or sergio perez even to catch back up to him in terms of points but um i find that hard to believe now uh that that would happen you know especially after the beginning of the year when verstappen had those issues and now it seems like they've uh gotten or overcome those issues uh and now he's gonna have a chance to go win the title for uh verstappen once again so um, probably, probably safe bet to assume that Verstappen has the number one uh, on his car once again in 2023. Uh, so you know we'll see how that how that goes and everything. But um, you know you mentioned Lewis Hamilton and uh, and uh, Fernando Alonso and that incident. Um, that was a you know in- interesting incident because um, Lewis went and cut off uh, Fernando in the first um, you know after the straight after. After you rode Giraudion. After and, the, yeah, after yeah. the Camel Strait, yeah. Camel Strait, so, you know, he cut him off there. And then the the way that, you know, Lan- or Lewis went into the air like that, that was surprising he didn't actually, like, flip over. But, you know, he's able to land back on his wheels but and keep going, but it wasn't, you know, too long after that. Um, had to pull over and stop, Because uh, he had major engine issues because yeah. they d- destroyed the back end of it. Yeah, exactly. And so there's just too much damage from that impact uh, for him. So and then Lewis goes, walks back to the pits. Um, but yeah, I mean, pretty strong comments from uh, Fernando there. Um, I actually laughed at that. I, I thought it was funny, but um, you know, Fernando, Fernando's always got the best comments behind the wheel, or at least the, the most funniest comments behind the wheel. Cause um, you know, he complained. I remember his comments at, Monza a few years ago, he was just complaining the whole race, and then this one, and then there's others where he's had some pretty good rants, but um, or you know, entertaining rants. But um, yeah, the incident there, and that yeah, of course, uh, Lewis probably you know probably wants to hope that this season ends very soon. Um, you know, this uh, not a good stretch for him. He had that had that stretch where he was getting uh, third place consecutively. But now the last couple of races uh, hasn't turned out uh, as good for him. So I'm um, sure he's hoping that this season ends pretty soon uh, here. And you know, I think everybody else, including you, Phil, hoping that this Formula 1 season ends pretty quickly because it's all over stopping uh, from here on out. So um, I think The only reason that yeah. I'm still watching Formula 1 for now is because we're involved or I'm involved with Grid Talk. Yeah. I mean, you're involved too if you wanted to be a part of it because I'm sure that uh, – George and everybody would like another person that watches Formula One. Uh, but reality yeah. of the world is it, it's funny how when I never had it because I had to watch Michael Schumacher 
dominate. Then I had to watch Sebastian Vettel dominate. So I was happy, of course, when Lewis was able to do his thing. And now it's back to that. So at the end of the day, being older and not wanting, I, I, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to watch because I'm, I'm a racing fan. But when I see what I already know is going to happen, I'm going to go and do laundry. I'm going to do other things. I'm going to go get breakfast. I'll do like, that's what I'm going to do. The only reason I still invest the same way as with NASCAR. Let's be fair here. Once you get to a certain point in your life, like there's people that they live for it and that's their whole entire life. I think the only thing I really live for in regards to like sports, there's events, certain events that I live for in sports, like late uh, Memorial day with, all the three big races this weekend with the Southern 500. We're going to have Portland IndyCar, which we're going to get into in a little bit. We're going to have Formula One, Portland, then you're going to have Southern 500. This is a perfect Sunday for me. That's good. You're going to have a little U.S. Open tennis. You know, good day. You're there. You live for certain days, certain, you know, when you have the right setup. But when you know what's going to happen in Formula One, which is pretty obvious, uh, the notion of actually sitting there and watching the whole thing is laughable. I'm not going to go and do that. I'm smarter than that. I have better things to do with my life. I can be productive and do other things and um, get more out of my life that way. Max Verstappen is going to win. He's going to keep on winning. He could set a record this year because of the number of Grand Prix we have for the most wins in a season. And I'm assuming he's going to do that um, because Sergio Perez is his lap dog because of the way Red Bull does things. Um, Ferrari is a joke um, and they fuck up constantly. And Mercedes car is a piece of shit. Um, and it's very inconsistent, like a lot of the other cars that are on the grid. Uh so there's car they could they could possibly do well at Singapore. They might do well this weekend at at Zandvoort. Uh but they're not going to do well at high speed circuits. They're not going to do well at circuits where you really need to have a lot of pace and you know stretch it out. So if it's a tight circuit, if there's a lot of there's not a lot of long straights, there might be a chance. But Max Verstappen won the world championship. Red Bulls won the constructors. They're going to win the constructors for the first time since 2013. Uh, Max is going to win his first legitimate world championship. So credit to that cocksucker. Um, so he'll hold that over on Daniel Suarez, um, even though it doesn't really matter much because Daniel Suarez is actually likable and he's a good guy. Um, and he didn't have to go and and have his dad swallow cock to go and have a, a career, but that's beside the point. All right, so let us move forward. I mean, we talked. To, I mean, there before we move on to the roundup, there's a lot of stuff. I mean, they didn't go and decide the Oscar Piastri thing. We're still on on in a position where Oscar Piastri, we don't know where he's going to be whether he's going to be at McLaren or, or Alpine. Uh, contract recognition board hasn't uh, done anything with that. Ricardo, of course, is, he's going to leave. Pretty sure that Haas, as I mentioned earlier, is w- probably going to be one place he could go. Alpine is another place he could go. IndyCars, that Spectre that he could possibly come to America, which would be huge. Uh, Colton Hurd has become a player because one-eyed Marco wants to have him in the fold. Uh, It also sounds like he wants Mick Schumacher in the fold. So he's hedging his bets. He wants to have a German driver with their, their Porsche 
partnership that's going to come up here shortly uh, since Audi already decided they're coming into Formula One this past weekend. They're going to go with Sauber. Um, Porsche is going to go with Red Bull, and they want a German driver, so they're hoping Mick can come through in that. Uh, but they also want Colton Herta. In the process, Pierre Gasly might be a free agent, might go to to Alpine to make two French drivers. And um, also you have Yuki Sonoda that doesn't have a, a contract for next year. So there's a lot of moving pieces. Before we get into the GSP roundup, Josh, in regards to people that are on the grid right now, we all we already know that um, Latifi's gone. Um, if if Lawrence Stroll knew it was good for him, he'd buy his son a ride in the WEC, but he'd rather keep his son in there and waste his seat in Formula One. Um, you know, Latifi's done. They're going to, more than likely, I think it's going to be Nick DeVries, the former Formula E champion, taking that second seat. Maybe uh, Logan Sargent, depending on certain things. But, you know, there's a lot of moving parts here on the back end of the grid here in Formula One. Yeah, there's a lot of things happening. And, you know, I think with Oliver Piastri, that, you know, it's been an interesting situation the last Oscar. month. Yeah, Oscar. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Oscar Piastri, uh, with how that played out, of course. Um, you know, it's it was like uh, basically what happened in IndyCar with Alex Pillow, uh in Chip Ganassi and uh, um, Piastri saying that he's not going back to Alpine. Alpine saying they extended him, and then all of a sudden McLaren saying, "Oh, we we just signed this guy," um, and you know Zach Brown going for everybody. And uh, ever since then, it's been an interesting deal and. Um, We'll have to we'll have to see how it plays out, but you know, two teams fighting for you, your rights uh, before your first ever F one race. Uh, you know, very, very uh, uh, interesting, and you know, I, you know, I think it's a similar situation to you know, blow and IndyCar, and um, maybe there's going to be some lawyers getting involved here uh, with uh, this silly situation for um, for both of these teams. Um, but you know, then you know, you mentioned Ricardo uh, and his. Uh, free agency now, um, you know, unfortunately didn't work out with McLaren and it's been bought out, uh, from that team, uh, for next year. Um, so, you know, we'll have to see what happens. Uh, potentially he could be, you know, in IndyCar next year. I mean, I'd be a massive pay cut to go from Formula one to IndyCar in one season. Um, I mean, it's just, just a fact. I mean, I, even though I, I like IndyCar more than Formula one, um, you know, it's just a fact that, the series doesn't have as much money as uh, McLaren in terms of, um, you know, in terms of pay, but, uh, you know, Ricardo could also go to uh, Schumacher or, or to Haas and, you know, Schumacher might be out and Schumacher's already a uh, formula or Ferrari uh, test or reserve driver. So there's a lot in play there um, with uh, Schumacher where he could go if he ends up not being uh, back at Haas next year. Um, um, you know, what, what does Ferrari decide to do with him, um, or anything like that. But, uh, you know, Colton Herta potentially going to Red Bull or AlphaTauri. Um, I mean, it's clear that, you know, he needs to be in Formula One based on his pace, but, you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens. Um, and then, you know, Perry Gasly could end up replacing Fernando at, at Alpine, but, um, we don't know yet. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, then of course, on top of all of that, you know, the possibility of Michael Andretti uh, coming into Formula One as well, and then you know their their team, uh, uh, the other teams in Formula One, uh, not quite you know endorsing that idea of an, 
a new owner coming into the series like that. But, um, of course, Michael Andretti comes in. I think uh, for sure Colton Herta, as we talked about in the past, will probably be a part of that team if, if he's able to make an entry into Formula 1. So, yeah, there's a lot of moving parts and pieces uh, here in Formula 1 uh, for their silly season and maybe one of the more interesting silly season that we've seen uh, in this series for you know the last couple of years. And certainly, you know, a lot of drama uh, there. And certainly, I think, you know, for um, fans of the sport, new fans, um can have a lot of coverage uh, in that, especially, you know, the Netflix series. Uh, they'll, they'll be um, covering that extensively, I, I assume. And, uh, you know, it'll give a lot of interest for, for people to go and watch um, that series and see see all the, uh, you know, movement between all the drivers in this series. Yeah, definitely. The whole um, aspect of Drive to Survive going and opening things up for fans and people wanting to be into the series it's um uh, it's done a big big thing for liberty it's done it's it's opened up formula one and it might have made it to where americans are going to want to watch but the problem is are americans more wired towards the stupidity the lcd aspect are they willing to deal with what it is which is max for stop and winning every fucking week are you going to go and sit there and watch when he wins every fucking time that's the thing when you have actual fans of motorsports that don't really give a fuck when he wins because i'm not going to sit there and put myself through that i'm we're the we're the exception of the rule i guess but you have to be able to sit there and cultivate new fans, and Formula One has seemingly been able to do that. But we will see what comes from it here in uh, future weeks um, in regards to Formula One and in general and the silly season. We'll talk about it here on the GSP. Well, let's get into the roundup. Uh, roundup uh, discusses the. Uh, First part will be IMSA GT, so not full open wheel. Can't say it's open wheel redux because we have GT racing. FAF racing Porsche uh, won for the fifth time of, in 2022. And then the windward Mercedes number 57. And so GTD Pro and the number nine FAF plaid Porsche won the GTD Pro championship for all intents and purposes. The windward racing Mercedes uh finished third overall and won in gtd over the harder racing gtd um car so matt campbell matthew jaminet who are trying to get into the penske porsche program here for next year in the uh gtp category beat uh antonio garcia jordan taylor in the corvette racing d8 by less than a second russell ward philip ellis in the Windward Racing Mercedes, finished third, finished on the overall podium. Uh, the third place in GTD Pro was Jack Hawksworth, Ben Barnacote, and Vassar Sullivan. Lexus, ninth overall. Uh, GTD was Russell Ward, Philip Ellis, uh, Roman DeAngelis, Maxime Martin, Harder Racing, Aston. Brian Sellers, Madison Snow for the Paul Miller Racing BMW team, who won the Sprint Cup uh, championship there. Uh so good job on for them, New Jersey-based team. So, of course, I'm going to root for them. Brian Sellers, of course, gets the um, uh, 
pork uh what's her name i'm forgetting her name the uh announcer jamie howe he's um brian sellers gets to put the wood to jamie howe so god bless him made two kids with her madison snow one of the best silvers super silvers in the business um took a year off from racing that's that's how much he's like i hate the rules of fia and their grading system i'm gonna quit racing for a year because i have so much money my parents have so much money i'm not gonna race and then he was back racing uh and he's he's running with uh, brian sellers and paul miller racing so credit to them the next, the final race of the IMSA season comes up here in a few weeks' time at the Petit Le Mans, the 10-hour Petit Le Mans. All the categories will be racing there. be plenty of carnage for sure, probably because of the LMP3 category and the GTD category. But we will uh, see how that all works out. Um, in regards to uh, Formula 2, we'll go to Spa. They're going to be running here. This uh, next couple of weeks, Spa, Zanfort, Monza, and then they'll run the final race at Abu Dhabi. In race one at Spa, saw Liam Lawson over Jack Doohan, Ralph Beauchamp, Felipe Drogovic, and Richard Vachor finished in the top five. Teo Porcher finished sixth. In race two, Jack Doohan gets the victory over Felipe Drogovic, Liam Lawson, Richard Vachor, Enzo Fittipaldi, Logan Sargent. Gets a sixth place finish there. Um, Teo Pocher had to retire very early in that race. The standings going into this weekend's race at uh, in the Dutch Grand Prix. Uh, Felipe Drogovic is now was it 40, 38, 43 points ahead of Teo Pocher. The real question is because Pocher more than likely is going to win. He's going to finish second, no problem. Drogovic more than likely is going to win the championship and not have a Formula One ride to show for it. Uh, the big battle is for third in points because Logan Sargent's only five points out of Jack Dewan, who has had a huge uh, last three races um, where in those in the last three rounds, Logan Sargent's only had 12 points. Jack Dewan has had... 59 points and that's brought him back into the championship also brought him into the mix to possibly go and take a um take the ride in the um in the second alpine since he's an alpine junior driver uh liam lawson is in fifth and enzo fittipaldi's in sixth it's 17 points between third and sixth right now and in i'm i was curious about this i wanted to go and um fit an experimental fake oh, interesting red flag stoppages so incorporating turn total second part of huh oh so um they've certainly should reduce training hmm. okay so they've done something good with the track they're at sandfort i'm i wanted to look up super lice lice license point system that's what I was trying to, yeah. FIA super license, you have to go and pay a fee. You have to go and complete at least 80% each of the two full seasons, singles, at least 40 points over previous three seasons in your championship supplement one. Um, I like how IndyCar is lesser than Formula 2. Uh, that That is essentially... That's a joke. Um, IndyCar is better than Formula 2. 
no offense to the people that love Formula One and all that. IndyCar is way more difficult than Formula Two because you have to run ovals, you have to run road courses, you have to run street courses, you have to run on tracks that are not really meant for racing. IndyCar is way more difficult than Formula Two. Uh, There should be way more value to that. It kind of goes to that whole Colton Herta argument. Formula Three and Formula Three, Formula E, and the WEC hypercar category are all in a pod. And then they give Super Formula is below that. Super Formula is tough. I don't get that at all. They they value IMSA proto. Oh my god, that is that is dumb. Eh, oh man, NASCAR Cup Series value is below driving driving uh. Formula Regional Asia Americas, Formula Regional Japanese Championship, Formula Renault Euro Cup expires post. So, okay, so that doesn't matter. How the hell is driving the Cup Series or Indy Lights or DTM or W Series or Formula Four or Formula Four is a different level? LMGT Pro. Okay, I just found out a a big problem with the super license uh, situation there uh, in general, because uh, I also was trying to figure out how uh, the, the people like if you go, essentially it looks like if you finish in the top three in formula two, you're able to go and have enough super license points. If you pay the fee, to go and run the for the following year completion of six give me a two so three years free practice only super license so you have to drive the three pounds of 10 point it's good lord they gave they gave egghead a super license but they're going to question colton hurra or alex polo or pato award for a super license that tells you all you need to know about what super license is about alex and freaking um, uh, Latifi and Stroll have super license, and you're gonna go and tell me that none of those guys deserve one? Go fuck yourself. It's ridiculous. Um, in regards to uh, the points here, I brought it up. I mean, that's the real battle. I think the top three get locked in for the following year. So, I mean, Pocher is a junior driver. Drogovic is the one that gets robbed because he doesn't have a connection anywhere. I'm assuming you'd have to return to go and drive and defend his title. Logan Sargent's a Williams junior driver. So no matter what he what happens to him, I think he's going to be back. Liam Lawson's a Red Bull guy. Enzo Fittipaldi's in play. Um, Dewan's a, a Alpine guy. So Pocher, I forget where Pocher is at, whether he's Ferrari or Alpine. I think he's, if, if he gets, if Pocher is in play, he might be able to get that right too. So something we'll see with that. In Formula Three, the points battle is very tight and there's only um there's only four rounds to go in their season uh after this week. After last week, um in race one we saw uh Oliver Bierman win uh for Prema over Roman Stanek and Alexander Smolier. Johnny Edgar and Artur Leclerc were the top five. In race two, Zane Maloney from Barbados gets to win over his teammate Roman Stanek, Oliver Bierman in third, Oliver Goth in fourth, and Johnny Edgar in fifth. So Trident 
gets all three of their drivers in the top five. The standings going to Zandvoort this weekend. Isaac Hadjar is the points leader by one point over Oliver Bierman. And Victor Martins, who didn't get any points this past weekend. First time uh, he hasn't scored. Uh, he has not. The first non-score for him, uh, Bierman had a non-score at Imola. Martins, Arthur Leclerc scored every round. Five points from first to fourth. You had Roman Stanek, who didn't make any points at, um, I guess it was Bahrain, the first race. Uh, Ten points between the top five. Jack Crawford had a nightmare weekend, crashed in qualifying, started dead last in 30th. Um, He's in sixth. First non-point score for him. Zane Maloney, small year, are right up on him. Uh... Jack Crawford is 80 points. Maloney, 74. Smolier, 73. And that's essentially what it is. Cushmine went and airmailed it into the last chicane and destroyed a bunch of cars in the feature race on Sunday. Juan Manuel Correa, Kalen Frederick struggled. Brad Benavides has been knocked out for um, this weekend's race. And Sebastian Montoya is going to go and take his spot. So Juan Pablo Monterrier, his son, who's been running with his dad in LMP2, is going to be running Formula 3 here this coming weekend. And more than likely, I would assume he's going to run next week at Monza as well. Uh, going into, let's so we got through G, GT, we got through Formula 2, Formula 3. Um, we'll get into MotoGP, uh, Misano. This past weekend, uh, was saw. Let's scroll over there. Yeah, saw Pecco Bagnaia win his third consecutive race, and um, saw him win the Austrian Grand Prix, which is a Ducati track. Makes sense. Over Fabio Quattararo by less than a second. Jack Miller's team, uh, Bagnaia's teammate, finishes third. Luca Marini fourth. Johan Zarco fifth, so four Ducatis in the top five. Alicia Spargaro was sixth with um, his butt buddy Fernando Alonso in his um, garage area. Uh, Brad Binder seventh, Alex Rins eighth, Marco Basecki ninth, and Jorge Martin in tenth. Of course, there was announcements. Uh, D- DG Antonio is moving over to the factory Ducati program. Uh, Zarco and uh, Martin are going to stay, I think, at the Premac team. So that'll be something there. Um, Espargaro is 32 points behind Quattararo. Pecco Bagnaia, who has won, essentially when he when he goes and scores points, he seems to win. So uh, Pecco Bagnaia has won the last five times that he stayed on his bike, he's won. So that's five out of the last eight races, it looks like he's won. Uh, yeah, five out of the last eight races, he's won. His nightmare start of the year where he had a non-point score, a 15th, two-fifths, and an eighth, and then three further non-point scores. So four non-point scores and a 15th is not going to be able to compete against a guy who has scored points in every round 
Sands won this year, um, which is what Peco, I mean, Fabio Quattararo has done in his defense of the world championship. And he's been able to hit the podium with a bike that is not that good. Um, so we will see what happens with that. Alicia Spargaro has scored points in every every round this season. So that's the reason why Peco Bagnaia is behind both of those guys. That's where the world championship is. Next round of the world championship will be at the San Marino Grand Prix uh, this coming weekend. So we'll see what happens with that at um, at Marco at the Marco Simoncelli uh, racetrack there um, at San uh, Misano Mar- World Circuit Marco Simoncelli. So all three series and I guess Moto E will be there as well. Uh, Moto Two is also at uh, the last time they were at, uh, what's it called, at uh, the Dutch Grand Prix and coming back for Misano this weekend. Uh, the results from the last race, Ayagura, Somcat, Chantra, and Jake Dixon. The podium, Pedro Acasa, Augusto Fernandez, your top five. Uh, the standings coming into this Weekend's race, Ayagura is a point ahead of Augusto Fernandez. Celestino Vietti is in third. Aaron Kinnett fourth and Joe Roberts tied with Tony Arbolino and Jake Dixon for fifth. Cameron Bobier is 17th in points. Um, he is what is it? He's about 21 points out of 12th. So chance to go and make something happen there if he can go. Um get some good runs together. He has run fourth at a race earlier this year. Uh, he finished fourth at, um, it was France. So he finished fourth at, in France and at Le Mans. That was a good run. I think he could add more there. Um, he's figuring out those bikes. They're not as, they're different than running the super bikes here in America and, Running 600 super sports for sure. Um, he's had some struggles otherwise. Uh, Sean Dillon Kelly's only had the one point score, but he was a Cameron Bobier scored points at the last race, um, three points. So hopefully he can go and do some work here over the next one, two, three, eight races to finish out this championship. Um, the U.S. Nationals will be at Indianapolis, of course, this coming weekend. Uh, the Big Go, as they call it. Uh, there's going to be a big field running uh, this weekend in all the all the categories. They're going to have the Mountain Motor Pro, Pro Stocks. They're going to have the actual regular Pro Stocks, Factory Stock Showdown, Hemi Challenge, so I figured that's um I f- I thought that uh, what's her name would be in the Hemi Challenge because it's a bunch of Dodges. That's what I want to watch a Hemi Challenge. That that sounds. Oh, I didn't want to do that. Um, go back there. Okay. Uh, Top Fuel Harley, which is a bunch of insane bastards riding motorcycles that go two hundred forty miles an hour. Uh, you have one, two, three, twelve bikes. So. There'll be people that get buys. I mean, the fact that you're still alive after you ride those bikes is a whole other thing. Randall Andrus, the defending champion of the series, Jay Turner. um, Those guys all need to be 
all of them need to be um, psychologically um, tested. All of them. There's a bunch of Pensy guys here. I didn't know there's all these Pensy guys that like to decide they want to go and basically want to die. Um, yeah, Aaron Stanfield. Oh, look at that. Aaron Stanfield in the factory stock showdown. Mark Powick, the former uh, pro stock driver driving a Challenger. God bless him. Uh, so all I'm all for that. Uh, Bill Skillman driving a Ford. Uh, we got, I thought, well, I guess uh, Leah Pruitt doesn't want to run the factory stock showdown. Excuse me. I thought that she would be. Yeah, she's too busy going and blowing her husband. Um, Mountain Motor Pro Stock. Another 12 for Mountain Motor Pro Stock. JR Carr. Chevrolet Camaro. A bunch of Chevys. One Ford. Uh, Pontiac. Two Fords. Three Fords. Four Fords. Okay. All right. No, no Mopars. That's disappointing there in Mountain Motor Pro Stock. Um, Superstock. Compliment. Yeah, screw all that. Pro Mod. Eason Field, so 18 for 16, I assume. Ricky Smith, the ageless one, he was like 180 years old, still racing. Um, DV Fast Jackson, former champion. You got Mike Castellana, another former champion from New York. Uh, Sidney Frigo, who's ate it or tried to eat it a couple of times. Everybody's got Chevys. Like, what the fuck? Stan Shelton at least has a Ford. Um, yeah. The only person that has a non-Ford or non-Chevy in the category. I'm rooting for that guy. Hopefully he makes a show. Cause it's it's boring. Um, in Pro Stock Motorcycle, they're trying to lock in their playoffs. Uh, we have 22 bikes for 16 spots. Uh, I mean, Matt Smith is the defending champion. He's riding a Suzuki. His wife, Angie Smith, is going to ride a Buell. But uh, the category is kind of leaned towards going back to the uh, V4s. Gianna Evaristo slash Salinas. Dash Salinas is um, in the field. You got Angel Sampay, Steve Johnson, who's had a great bike for a lot of the year this year. Eddie Craywick. Uh, Ryan Ayler. Uh, you have um, Joey Gladstone, who recently has went on a heater. Uh, with wins, Scotty Polachek trying to make it in with an EBR Buell. Uh, Michael Phillips and his son, uh, his son Malcolm Phillips Jr., whatever that is, um, GT driving for, for GT Tonglet, um, or the Tonglet family, uh, trying to go and get in with, I don't know what the hell the bike is. Got questionable. Think Stouffer Enterprises. So Karen Stouffer has probably a Suzuki, even though they have stars on that thing. Uh, Kelly Klontz, you got Scotty Polachek. Jerry Savoie's won this race before. Mark Ingwersen, who's in the points. Hector Arana and his and Hector Arana Jr. I'm trying to make it in. Chip Ellis, former champion of the series. He's with Ryan Ayler, um, Ryan Ayler's team, and he's going to run a Buell with uh, Ryan Ayler. So. Interesting field there for the pro stock motorcycle category. Um, in pro stock, let's see, eighteen for sixteen, so not not that much um, uh, drama. Probably Alan Brzezinski, the Jersey driver with a Dodge, is probably going to fail to qualify. Um, and then one of the Quadras probably going to fail to qualify there. I would assume because Bo Butner has. Bo Butner has the big motor. He always has that. 
Um, Kenny Delco seems to make shows no matter what. So I would assume Pruszynski misses a show with the Mopar. You have Eric Anders trying to contend for another championship. Troy Coughlin Jr., who has been on a heater recently, um, rooting for Camry Caruso, New York-based uh, family team, older car, rooting for her to have a good uh, run here this coming weekend, um, make the most out of it, and we'll see what happens at the U.S. Nationals. It's where where, where careers are made, honestly. 19 for 16 in the funny car category. I mean, body, Bobby Bodie is going to probably make the show. I'd assume Chad Green will as well. Um, John Smith's going to have a hard time making the show. Uh, Dale Creasy Jr. would have a hard time making the show. Jim Campbell is going to be somebody that'll be on the, they'll have an issue. Um, the fact is, Robert Height's going to run into this regular, the playoff with a big, he's going to have the points lead, so he's going to have the bonus. Uh, but him and um, Matt Hagen are the two guys that are the championship favorites. Matt Hagen running the 14 in um, honor of his owner, uh, Tony Stewart. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Can Matt Hagen get a get a victory in Indianapolis for his owner Tony Stewart at the Dodge Power Brokers U.S. Nationals, which would be pretty cool on Monday? It'll be on Monday afternoon. So if we're doing the show on Monday afternoon, we'll get to talk about it in Monday evening. In regards to top field dragster, deep field, deep field, and top field dragster, twenty five cars. Wow, twenty five cars for sixteen spots. So. Deepest field they've had all year. Yeah, people come from Canada like Dan Mercier. You have guys coming from wherever. Will guy from Alabama got you know Spencer Massey, who's been known to bring soft shell coolers into banquets. Uh, Doug Foley, Scott Palmer, Scott Farley got some uh, interesting names here. I mean, Trip Tatum. Another one, Lex June, you know, so there's, it's going to be a tough field for top fuel to make, to make the show considering that they're got the all-star, the all-star call out this weekend for both top fuel and funny car. Uh, that's an interesting side note in regards to the actual race that'll take place, um, this weekend. Um, so a lot to look at the standings. As we get into um, the U.S. Nationals, four drivers are locked in as of now in top field. Brittany Force, Mike Salinas, Steve Torrance, Justin Ashley. Essentially, once a qualifying run happens, I would assume that Josh Hart, Sean Langdon, Leah Pruitt will get locked in. But we will see what happens because it's points and a half. Nine drivers are locked in in Funny Car, Robert Hype, Matt Hagen, Ron Caps, Bob Tasca, John Forrest, J.R. Todd, Alexis DeJoria, Cruz Pentagon, Tim Wilkerson. Chad Green is only four points out of Jim Campbell. Blake Alexander is 26 out of, 26 points out of 10th. So that's an interesting battle because I don't know how it works in regards to people that fall out of the top 10. Uh, so something we'll see with that. Enders, Aaron Stanfield, Kyle Koretsky, Greg Anderson are locked in. I would assume Troy Coughlin, Dallas Glenn, and uh, probably Mason McGahey will all lock in after a qualifying run. Camry Caruso will probably lock in after two, along with Matt Hartford and 
Um, the real battle, I guess, or I mean, I guess Camry Caruso's okay, but Matt Hartford is only 30 points ahead of Fernando Quadra Jr., and he's 50 points ahead of Derek Kramer. So Derek Kramer has a backdoor chance if he can go and put together a weekend, he could go and get himself into the playoff. Uh, so yeah, McGay, yeah, Chris McGay probably not gonna make it. And, Quadras, a couple of the quadras are not going to make it. I mean, as it's saying, none of them are in. So Fernando Quadra Jr., they're going to go and put all the energy behind him. In the pro stock motorcycle category, eight riders are in. Joey Gladstone, Angel Sampay is only 64 points behind. Craywick, 96 behind. Steve Johnson, 103. Matt Smith, 109. Andy Smith, Jerry Savoie, and Karen Stouffer. Then there's a huge gap to Mark Ingerson and Ryan Ayler. Ayler's only seven points out of Jimmy Underdahl, and that's really the uh, battle. Um, Bostick, I don't think it was on the list. Uh, Gianna Salinas is there. Kelly Klontz is there. Ellie Tonglet's not running this weekend. So uh, more or less the pro stock motorcycle category is locked in for what we're going to see. Hopefully we'll see some good racing this coming weekend at the U.S. Nationals. So with that, we will move forward to the um, IndyCar race at Portland. Two races to go in the IndyCar season, Josh, and uh, points battle is really close, really close in IndyCar. Seven drivers are still in this points battle for the IndyCar championship tough racetrack portland it's simple in in a lot of ways theory in theory but doesn't mean it's going to be that simple um when it comes to the results and everything uh it's i mean alex polo won there last year in in which essentially locked up the championship will power takuma sato or the three winners in the modern era um, there are guys, Sebastian Bourdais, is a two-time winner there. Of course, he's not running IndyCar anymore. Uh, Cristiano D'Amata, two-time winner there. Uh, Jill DeFerrin, AJ Outer-Almendinger, who won there, um, earlier this year in an Xfinity Xfinity. car. So, I mean, uh, it's, there's, there's a lot to look at in regards to this race. I mean, qualifying practice and qualifying this weekend is going to really dictate. Uh, Portland is a race where you need track position unless crazy cautions happen. Uh, you are dictated based on track position. So um, what are you looking at? I, I, I mean, I'm going to throw this out there. Will Power wants to get that pull to break his record with Mario Andretti. He has two chances to do it this year. He's the points leader. I figure... I don't think he's going to win the poll this weekend. I figure he's going to win the poll next weekend at at uh, Laguna Seca. He'll be up there, but I I feel like there's going to be somebody else. I don't know who, but I don't think he's going to win the poll here this weekend. Uh, what are you looking at for this weekend at Portland? Here, there's not a whole lot to work off of in recent memory, but um, it's going to be a very tough race to to figure out and who's going to win and all but seven drivers are still in this battle for the championship yeah seven other drivers battling for this championship here um it's going to be really interesting and you know i think 
really the main contenders are um, Will Power, of course, Newgarden, Scott Dixon, Mark Marcus Erickson. Um, those are the guys that are you know within a chance of winning the title. Um, yeah, I think uh, for other you know for other racers, uh, uh, let me pull up the standings here really quick. But you know for yeah, we'll go to, go to the standings. You know for Polo, Scott McLaughlin, there's still still a possibility. You know they both have 43, 54 points back. But you know I think the main the main focus is going to be on the top four uh, championship four. I guess you could call it borrow from NASCAR. Uh, the Marcus Erickson, Dixon, Newgarden, Power, all within 17 points of of the lead. Uh, so this race is going to be very important. Um, but Will Power, of course, led testing. Uh, Last week uh, at at Portland, a uh, lot of crashes. Uh, apparently, reports from Racer dot com, you know, guys going off track and putting it in the wall. Uh, so there's there is going to be some challenges here. I think this is still a challenging track, but uh, Portland is a very uh, track position uh, important racetrack. Um, you know, Will Power won here a couple of years ago, back in 2019. Um, but you know, he this race he has to win. Uh, I think uh, you know if Will Power wants to win this championship, then he uh, you know he has to win this race. Uh, otherwise, otherwise, um, it's going to leave too much room for error going into Laguna Seca, and and um, there's going to be a lot of pressure for Will Power uh, to be able to you know go and win this championship. And and of course, we talked about this whole year. Uh, Will Power's you know mentality. You know we talked about that since about. May or so, uh, when it became clear he was, you know, going to be one of the uh, title contenders in this race uh, for the championship uh, in Indy cars. He's a, a lot calmer than he has been in, in years past. Uh, you know, their uh, willpower in the past you know, loses emotions too quickly and um, self-destruct. Uh, but this year, he's a very, very calm willpower, very similar to Scott Dixon. Uh, so we're going to see if, you know, the next two races, how Will Power responds to the championship pressure, uh, pressure does he go out and win? Um, and if not, uh, can he, uh, continue to be consistent and at least finish on the podium? Um, if not getting a win, um, and then of course, more than likely have to win next weekend if he doesn't win this weekend here at Portland, but, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be a tough battle, I think, uh, throughout the race. And I, like I said, I think it'll be a very tough on, on track position as well. Uh, Alex Pelot last year took the win or took the win and the pole, um, won the pole first and then took the win. So it's going to be a very, very interesting race from the beginning all the way to the end. Um, so we're just going to have to see how, how these cars perform in practice, how they perform in qualifying to really get a baseline for how the race is going to go, uh, you know, speed wise from each of these cars, uh, you know, new garden could have a possibility, you know, if he, if he goes out and wins here, um, at, uh, at Portland, he's got the most wins so far this season. Possibility of him going for seven wins uh, this year. So uh, it it's a lot on Newgarden, but uh, he's seemingly been able to pull off uh, victories uh, when uh, there's a lot of pressure. So Newgarden um, potentially could uh, could win this race as well. So um, yeah, I think um, think all these guys, you know, Scott Dixon. Uh, has been good at Portland as well. So, uh, you know, Scott Dixon, um, he's, he's got to have a, a good weekend too. Um, I think, yeah, yeah. I think for, for Scott Dixon and, uh, for Marcus Erickson, I think these races are probably very much, uh, must win scenarios for them to be able to, uh, secure the championship. I think, 
Newgarden has a little bit more room to play with, but you know, a win will help. And I think Will Power, um, I think I think he does have to win. Although I don't know if it's uh, absolutely necessary, but uh, I think a win will help him uh, going into uh, uh, going into Laguna Seca, give him the leverage in the championship to be able to. Um, not take as many risks, but still be able to uh, go out and win uh, the title there. So there's going to be a lot on the line here at Portland. Um, of course, I think this this race, uh, you know, for the rest of the field, probably going to be very interesting. Uh, you know, well, Alex Pillow last year won this race, so you know, don't count him out yet. But um, you know, it's it's going to be going to be very interesting uh, between everybody, and um, you know, we'll see we'll see how the rest of these teams do um you know how does uh guys that aren't really in contention anymore for this championship like pato award um you know how does he do he's only 58 points back but how does he do in this in this title fight or in, in this race um alexander rossi 127 points back final two races for andretti um can he go out and send him out with a win uh or you know potential podium finish remember a couple years ago back in uh, 2018, 2019, he was doing well, uh, at this race, uh, in, in, uh, in Portland. So we're just gonna have to see, uh, you know, how, how it all plays out for, uh, for him, you know, finished third in 2019, uh, in his run for the championship, uh, which he needed to be able to win that race or win that championship. So, um, some of these guys in the back, um, want to be able to go out and end the season on bang, you know, Colton Hurd is 10th in the, the standings right now. Uh, of course, has that one win from Indianapolis, but um, could he possibly win here uh, at Portland or even at uh, Laguna Seca, which he's won you know in the past back in 2019. So um, there, you know, there's going to be a lot um, you know for for these drivers uh, to be able to to handle um, you know, especially especially the ones that are in the the uh, running for the championship. And um, you know, we're going to see. I think we're going to see a lot of drama this weekend here uh, at Portland. Yeah, so um, just wanted to follow up. Uh, who are you picking your, for this weekend to win? Uh, I'm going to go with the Will Power. Um, I think I think he has a really good shot to win the title, and you know he deserves to have more than one title uh, than he did in 2014. You know he had all those chances before 2014 to win the title and came up short, whether it was his own mistakes or bad luck or anything like that. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to pick him to win this race because I think it will definitely help him uh, to win the title. And, you know, of course, he was uh, one of the fastest drivers in testing leading up to this race uh, at Portland. And who do you have as a wild card pick? Uh, wild card, uh, you know, I'm going to go with, uh, let me, I want to reference the standings when I say yeah, this. Yeah, you got to do top yeah. 10. Anybody outside of the top 10. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Renus VK as a wild card. Um, uh, Hasn't really. I mean, I thought he would have had a better season than he did now, but you know, only only has uh, one uh, podium so far in a pole uh, so far in his career uh, or in this season. Uh, I think his career at Portland hasn't been uh, as impressive, but um, you know, he's somebody that. Um, could be a wild card, you know, depending on how this plays out, you know, maybe we see him finish in the top 10 or something. And, you know, he's somebody, like I said, I thought would do a lot better this year. And, you know, we got two races left in the year. So, you know, maybe, maybe can go out and end the year on a, on a bit of a positive note here. So we'll have to see. 
Yeah, he wants to go, and he's signed a multi-year extension with Ed Carpenter Racing, so he's going to be there uh, in the Chevy fold with Ed Carpenter Racing. Him and Colton Hurd, I mean, um, uh, Connor Daly are going to be teammates again next yeah, year. Connor with the haircut, too. Yeah, and he was on the Dale Jr. download because he's a part of um, Dirty Mo Media now with his podcast. But um, for me, I mean, yeah, picking Will Power uh, makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, the when it comes to um, drivers right now, I mean, yeah, it's like the the people that you want to look at this weekend. I mean, Polo, he's only run there once. He has the best average finish. Honestly, the only way for him to go and defend his championship is if he goes and does what he did last last year. Uh, Josh brought up Alexander Rossi, brought up um, Colton Herta. New Gardens had a great um, record there. And, um, I mean, I want to see a Ganassi car, personally, to balance out the whole Penske thing. But I think Joseph Newgarden goes and gets the win and makes win number six. He runs, he runs a table. He goes and like Josh said, he's going to get seven wins. He's going to go and win at Portland. He'll win at Laguna and he's going to win his third championship. He wasn't a, the one thing that he's missing to be anointed and be at Penske until he turns 150 is the Indianapolis 500. He's done everything else for Penske. He brought Robin Miller, God bless his soul, basically yelled at Roger Penske and said, you have to hire this guy. This guy would be in Formula One. Let's be honest here. The fact is he is a Formula One guy. That's how good he is. That's his mentality and all that. We're lucky we have him here, and he's Penske's number one driver. Um, Power has lost many titles to to Dario Franchitti, Scott Dixon, the like. Well, he's going to lose his championship to his teammate. Um, It's going to be... Joseph Newgarden, uh, in my opinion, this Sunday uh, in the Indy cars for uh, Portland with two races to go for Phil is Joseph Newgarden to win. And then in regards to people who are outside of the top 10 in uh, current IndyCar points, because I, I, I wish I could pick Scott McLaughlin and just hedge, but He's not outside of the top 10. So uh, Josh pick Rena's VK. I'm going to go with David Malukas. David Malukas is on a heater here recently. He's been on a good Good run. Uh, Wild card for Phil is David Malukas. It's not my uh, bias because I picked him for rookie of the year uh, because Christian Lundgaard would be another good pick, honestly. Because that car won at Portland a few years ago. And I figure Lungard is going to be a favorite to get into the fast six. Malukas is coming off his best finish of his career. He is that talented. He is that good. Just helps that his dad is really freaking rich too. Um, he's a guy that's going to be in the series for a long time. And he's probably going to be at Dale Coins because they're going to probably buy him out. Because they're an Illinois-based program. You'd have probably been at Newman Haas um, if both of them were still around. I think he would have been a Newman Haas driver, David Malukas. He fits the bill in so many ways. Uh, he reminds me of being like Mar- Michael and, you know, that aggressiveness, but he has. But the difference is he's way more patient. So we'll see what happens at um, Portland this weekend. It's going to be very interesting, a very busy day. 
uh, for sure. Uh, last thing we're going to preview before we get into the X, the X existential stuff or whatever is uh, Formula One at Zanfort, um, the Dutch Grand Prix, second year. It's back on the calendar after many years away. So there isn't a whole lot to take away in regards to data at Zanfort because. It was the first race there since 1985. Um, I mean, the, what is it? Yeah, results. Oh, God. drivers at this track. And then show active drivers. Everyone's one driver. Yeah, so, I mean, that doesn't take into account other series that they've run there, like uh, that A1 Grand Prix. I figured there was other series there, but, um, yeah, Max dominated the race last year. At uh, Zanfort, the notion is, I mean, the Mercedes car is terrible on tracks that is high speed, but they were good, great at Hungary, and they had a chance to possibly win there. Um, so there's a notion that maybe they're going to show up this weekend because they were terrible uh, at at uh, Spa. Uh, George Russell was able to kind of hedge for as bad of a car as they have there. Um, I mean, personally, I know Max is going to win, so that's whatever. <laughs> I think I think that uh, I honestly believe a Mercedes is going to be on the podium, whether that's second or third, I'm not sure. I kind of figure George Russell over Lewis. Um, I think George Russell goes and gets that podium, and he finishes second, and um, Verstappen runs away with it. And then Leclerc finishes third. That's my podium picks. Uh, I mean, honestly, my wild card pick. Uh, I, I mean, I, you have to be really honest about it. Like my wild card pick would be Lewis goes and gets crazy with it, puts it on pole, and runs Max Verstappen off the racetrack, gets booed out of the stadium, and wins the race. And gets both of the things to keep his record going. I'm just I'm trying to make that happen. I want him to get one pole and one win to keep his streak going. And if he does it at his Max Verstappen's so-called home race, I, I'd sign for it all day. I'd sign for the hate, all the lamestream media shitting on him, all the Alonzo and Norris and Verstappen fans. Send that fucking cocksucker. He's still going to win the championship anyway. Screw him. Put them in the freaking weeds. That's that's what we need. That's what the world championship needs. You have something to talk about. There's nothing to talk about. We already know who's going to win the world championship. We already know who's going to win the constructors. There ain't nothing to talk about. Go and send the guy who's going to win the world championship right into the weeds. Put them in the wall. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm. That's my picks. How about you, Josh? Well, I mean, it's it's hard to say uh, who else would win this race besides for stopping maybe Sergio Perez, the other Ferrari. Or- not for either of their uh, Red Bull, but uh, yeah, I'm gonna have to just go with roll with Verstappen. I think think it's very clear. I mean, I can't see any other uh, driver picking you know winning this race. So um, you know, we the safe, smart picks to just continue to pick Max Verstappen until it, it's not a, a solid pick anymore. So continue to pick him. Uh, but you know, on top of that, yeah, I think for podium, uh, I'm gonna go with. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with uh, Sergio Perez on the podium. And uh, actually, instead of Carlos, or yeah, instead of uh, Charles Leclerc on the podium, I'm going to go with Carlos Sainz. 
just to make it interesting uh there the other ferrari getting a podium and you know i'm for my wild card pick you know i'm i'm gonna go with uh alex albon because uh he he's uh scored in the points a couple of times this year uh got you know points in in uh australia got points in miami in you know got points last week here at at uh at spa so let's keep the the streak going maybe get another uh 10th place finish and get another another point uh for uh williams racing so that you know that it's uh, one of the more interesting storylines of the series, how he's been able to get podiums and, or not podiums, but uh, get points in, in the uh, worst, uh, you know, one of the worst cars on the circuit. So um, I've been very, you know, interested to see how that happens. So um, yeah, I think, think um, Alex Albon can get a, a one point uh, here at uh, circuits end this weekend. Yeah, that's something that we will see. I mean, I think the Williams is better. We'll probably see a better um, result next week. But hey, who knows? Alex Albon has shown great pace on the tight racetracks. He scored points at Miami, which is similar to this circuit. So who knows? Let's, um, I mean, for people who remember Williams in their heyday, having them score another point, make Aston Martin and some of these other teams work, it will be good. Uh, We'll see what happens with that at Zanfort, and we'll bring it up next week on the GSP. So uh, fantasy football and uh, regular football in general, uh, for me, the Niners' uh, Jimmy G is back on a um, restructured contract, starting a quarterback controversy, but... Trey Lance is the guy. I mean, I know he's going to struggle. They're a team that can contend for a championship this year. Um, it's a tough spot for Trey Lance, but I think he's capable. And I also think the fact that he knows that Jimmy is there is a good thing. And you also add the notion that with the whole injury concerns between both Trey Lance and Jimmy, it's, it's kind of sketchy, which has been the whole... Kyle Shanahan regime at the at in Santa Clara with the Niners not having a backup guy it has kind of worked out in a weird circuitous way to have two quarterbacks they always like it's weird that I'm saying this and it's probably my fandom coming in you're not if you have two quarterbacks you have no quarterbacks we know who our starter is and we know who our backup is. The backup hasn't really looked at our playbook or any of that. To be fair, Jimmy Garoppolo could be traded during the trade deadline through the first eight weeks of the season, um, which is essentially the deadline uh, for my league, too, in regards to payments and all that. But the notion of having Jimmy Garoppolo, a guy who has gotten the Niners to a Super Bowl and should have won a Super Bowl, he missed a ball to Emmanuel Sanders that would have probably won the Super Bowl and saved me and my liver. Uh, the notion of getting to an NFC Championship game to the team, losing to the team that eventually won the Super Bowl, he has he's capable. He learned that from Tom Brady, and I give him credit for that, but he ain't Tom Brady because he can't close. That's why they have Trey Lance. And so the Niners have a good quarterback room. They have a good roster, not deep enough to be fair um, in certain areas, but they're capable. Chicago's their first opponent at Soldier Field week one. 
September 11th. Uh, it's going to be a tough matchup. Roquan Smith playing for a contract. So there's a lot going on there, but we will see what happens with that. Uh, Jacksonville preparing for their first year with uh, uh, Doug Peterson, former Super Bowl winning head coach. I got to watch him win a Super Bowl throw. Went and um, called um, called uh, Philly Philly with Nick Folds and the whole bit. And he has Trevor Lawrence, who's probably the best quarterback he's ever had. Uh, and you have two running backs there in um, Robinson and Etienne, Josh. And you have wide receivers. You have the whole bit. A lot of money was spent by Shad Khan and um, Tony Khan and the whole bit to go and make the Jacksonville Jaguars relevant this year in a division that's wide open. Um, what is it looking like now that cuts have been made and we're leading into this uh, 2022 uh, regular season? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting, um, you know, with cuts uh, now after the final preseason game. Um, you know, kind of surprised, you know, one of, the, I think, uh, on the offensive ball uh, side of the ball, uh, Laquan Treadwell was uh, one of the uh, – leading receivers in 2021 for the Jaguars kind of came on late, uh, in the year in the second half of the year, but, um, you know, he's not a, um, great player really, but, you know, he's someone who had good chemistry with, uh, Trevor Lawrence. So kind of shocking that, um, they got rid of him. Um, and he's, he is on the larger side too. So, um, you know, with a guy like that, they potentially could need somebody, uh, that can, you know, be big on the, on the offensive side of the ball, but, you know, maybe he's available in the season in case we have injuries or anything like that. Um, but, or, you know, somebody else isn't getting the job done or anything like that, but, um, that was interesting. Um, but you know, I'm, you know, curious to see how Trevor Lawrence does this year with, uh, retooled offense, you know, around him, uh, new players, you know, new wide receivers, uh, LaVisca Chenault, uh, got traded to the Carolina Panthers. Uh, so that's interesting. Um, Unfortunately, you know, we thought he could be like the Debo for the Jaguars, uh, you know, their version of Debo, but, you know, he just didn't have uh, the quite the ball skills that he needed to, um, you know, to be up, uh, you know, up there. Um, you know, he uh, had a lot of drop balls last year in 2021, uh, just uh, didn't, you know, didn't have the chemistry with Trevor Lawrence we thought he would. And then rushing the ball uh, just maybe didn't have uh, enough speed, uh, you know, on the outside or, you know, in the slot to be able to, um, take handoffs or, uh, take reverses. So, um, you know, it's gonna be interesting to, you know, see where, how he plays for, uh, Carolina and how they use him, but, you know, they've got a, a lot of talent in front of him. So we'll have to see how, that, how all that plays out over there. But, um, you know, we still have Marvin Jones, who's pretty solid with, uh, Trevor last year. And then, you know, Travis Etienne coming back, uh, that's going to be a big change, I think. And, you know, I'm also curious to see how, uh, James Robinson comes back after his injury last year, Achilles injury. Um, you know, that's a tough injury to come back for running back and, you know, going to see how, how well can he cut, uh, with the ball? Um, how, you know, he's a, a guy that, um, knows how to find holes in, uh, at, you know, after taking handoffs and maximize, uh, you know, yards per carry. So we'll see, you know, how his speed is affected by coming back from the injury. Um, but you know, I still believe Robinson's a solid running back. So, you know, we'll, we'll have to have to just see and find out, um, for, you know, for the offense and then defensively, you know, I'm very confident in them, uh, got a very strong offense or defensive line. Uh, you know, the core I think is really good. 
uh, you know, between defensive tackles and um, defensive ends. You know, we got Josh Allen, of course, and Trayvon Walker on the outside. You know, on the inside, you got uh, Foy Faltuskai, or however you say his name. Um, you know, you got Roy Robertson Harris, uh, uh, guys that are, you know, really, really big on the, in the middle, uh, and, you know, good linebacking core with, uh, Devin Lloyd and, uh, Foy, uh, Alukin. I think that's how you say his name. They got, they got some guys with some weird names this year, but, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to watch, uh, the defense play. I think it's going to be, uh, very, very surprising, uh, for, you know, if you're not a, uh, Jaguars fan, um, or, you know, someone that's, uh, not really, you know, into, into football, uh, or, you know, if you're just a casual watcher, you know, I think, uh, you know, Jaguars defense is going to surprise a lot of people. So, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see how it all plays out and everything. And, um, you know, ready, ready for the season, you know, probably most I've looked forward surprisingly, um, you know, after last year, but, um, it's looking like, you know, this could be a good year for the Jaguars. And I mean, think maybe we can probably get, I think we probably get, um, six to eight wins, maybe enough to potentially be a wild card contender, but, you know, not quite, but, you know, it'd be a massive turnaround after, you know, the last uh, two years, even three years here uh, in Jacksonville. And considering that both um, Urban Meyer seems to be in play for college football jobs because, you know, for all the bullshit he's done in college, uh, with questionable shit he's done at Florida and Ohio State, people still may want him. Uh, John Gruden's another one who is a terrible drafter, terrible evaluator of talent, and has been very lucky in his uh, career for where he's found himself. Uh, he has opportunities, too. Um, something we'll see. Uh, we will definitely preview the uh, season for our teams, the um, Jaguars for Josh and the Niners for me, and also uh, fantasy uh, because I'll have two teams drafted by that point. I'm not sure. I think you're Josh. You have at least two teams, right? Yeah, I've got two teams. So yeah, uh, we'll see uh, how they do throughout the season. You know, excited to be in the league again, and um, you know, we'll we'll just go throughout the season and make the moves that need to be made. Um, you know, maybe you got to trade a lot more this year, but you know be willing to do it and you know um we'll see and actually uh i forgot about this because i was talking about this with another friend but i think this is the year and shouldn't be surprising but it's gonna be the year that tom brady finally hits a cliff so you can tell uh vic that i said that i think tom brady is gonna be the the worst he's ever been um it's a very hot take but the reason why i say this is because i saw i saw a throw that he made uh in the last preseason game to uh julio jones and uh, it was one that julio really had to come back for and it just didn't look like it had a lot of velocity on it um yeah i think um you know eventually all players you know they hit a cliff and i think this is uh you know tom brady's year he finally hits a cliff and, and we started to see a lot of weakness in his game and you know i think the the uh the way you're gonna have to beat him is to make him throw deep on the outside uh take away the uh, dump offs to the running backs, the uh, you know slot wide receivers, slot tight end, um, and then pressure him, um, which has always been the uh, way to beat him is to pressure him. But you know, especially take away the routes that he likes to throw to, uh, and make him throw those tough you know deep on the outside throws where 
he's going to really have to put a lot of zip in the ball and really, really challenges uh, physical abilities playing at age 45 as quarterback in the NFL uh, starting. So, you know, we'll see how it plays out, but um, you know, this is based on, you know, what I've seen from past quarterbacks. I mean, look at Peyton Manning, his final year playing in the league, the Denver Broncos defense had to carry him to the Super Bowl. Exactly. Um, yeah. They, they had to put his body back together after every game. There's an article about, you know, his, uh, final year or second to last year where they were basically tape, taping him back together after every game they played. And then, of course, I think right before he won the Super Bowl, there's that report from Al Jazeera coming out where they said he was taking PEDs or something, but then the NFL somehow swiped that one under the rug uh, for Tom Brady or for Peyton Manning. And then Ben Roethlisberger, you know, his last year wasn't great. Um, it was clear that he should have retired <laughs> and, you know, he, uh, definitely this year finally retired, but, um, you know, Roethlisberger was definitely weak, uh, after, um, you know, 2021. Um, and then, you know, of course, think of the most classic example is Terry Bradshaw, uh, his final year, he was really bad. So, um, I don't think it'll be Terry Bradshaw bad. Of course, that was a different era, but, you know, I think, you know, Tom Brady, they're, you know, not be Joe a, Namath bad. Yeah. Not, not that either, but. Um, it's definitely going to be like, oh, well, Tom Brady, you know, should have retired at his peak, which was after, you know, the game he lost to the Rams. But, you know, wants to go out and try to win, win a Super Bowl again. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. But just have a hard time seeing it right now. But maybe he gets carried into the playoffs by his defense. We'll see. Yeah, if he goes and wins this year with, um, what's his name, uh, Todd Bowles as his head coach. That would probably be the greatest thing he's ever done in his career. Everyone thinks what he did a couple of years ago was the biggest one. He didn't have an off season really. Who knows what the hell's going on behind the scenes? He might be getting divorced, and he's going to give up half his fortune, which is less than what his wife has. And there's a whole bunch of shit going on. He's probably going to be spooning with Guerrero as a trainer. He's probably going to go and come out as gay, which would be a whole other thing, which is fine. Um, which would be progressive, honestly, in this day and age, uh, if he comes out as bisexual and all that, which makes sense because he is, he seems like a guy who would be bisexual, which is okay. But if he does, if he comes out and wins this Super Bowl this year, whatever. I mean, the guy is a goat anyway. He can't swing a golf. He's a terrible golfer. And I say that as a terrible golfer. He's a terrible golfer. Um, but he is the greatest quarterback ever lived. If he pulls this one off, Byron Leftwich, if they don't, if he doesn't get a head coaching job, then the NFL has a fundamental problem, which we know they do because they don't want to hire black head coaches. Um, Byron Leftwich should be head coach. And it's not my personal bias because I root for him when he was at Marshall. The guy's a really good coordinator and he understands the game and he played the game and he was a starter and he was a top 10 pick in the NFL. He understands it in multiple levels. Chad Pennington became a coach, albeit he's a, you know, boat on high school coach in Kentucky, but you know, uh, him, D'Amico Ryans. The fact of the matter is that the NFL should have, there's 32 head coaches, at least a quarter of the head coaches in the NFL should be African-American coaches, and they should have chances, meaning you should get three years to do your job, not one year, not one and a half, and then, oh, on the second year, oh, we're going to send you. You get three years, just like all them white coaches do, to go and do their work, because Byron Leftwich is, is a good one. 
D'Amico Ryans is a defensive coordinator for the 49ers, former linebacker for the Houston Texans, which Josh can remember because D'Amico Ryans put a hurt on the Jacksonville Jaguars, I'm sure, and anybody that he played against. The guy understands the game. You have to give credit to those people. It is what it's not. Everybody wants Sean McVay people. Like, here's the reality. You're not going to find Sean Mc. Just because they were with Sean McVay doesn't mean they're going to be Sean McVay. And and I got one other thing. Sean McVay was Kyle Shanahan's understudy. So Kyle Shanahan's the 49ers coach. One Super Bowl should be at should have won should have been at two. Should have beat McVay and gotten to two. And should have won at least one. Fact of the matter is, it does, just because so-and-so is connected to whatever doesn't mean that's going to happen. But you have to look at the people. You have to look at the player and look or look at who they are and what they did. Not just in their, just think about their career and what they did and what they had to work themselves up to to get to that spot. Bruce Arians, God bless him, whatever his malfunctions and his whatever, he built it to where you have an African-American head coach, African-American offensive coordinator, I don't know who the hell the defensive coordinator is for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Nobody fucking cares. But the two main guys for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, African-American coaches, and they're really good. Because Todd Bowles is a good coach. No matter what anyone wants to say, he's a good coach. He played in the league. He had to go through shit. Then he became a coach, had to go and grind his way all the way up to defensive coordinator. Got hosed because he went to the Jets because the Jets are a joke. Uh, sorry, Matt. He doesn't listen to the show. My my old buddy. He doesn't listen to the show. He has his own Jets podcast, and he goes and covers Somerset Patriots. Jets are a joke. That's why I quit being a fan. Um, Todd Bowles is trying to hedge and go and get himself a career position with the Glazers because the Glazers are more worried about money. If they go and win one more Super Bowl, Todd Bowles ain't going to get fired for at least three to five years. But Byron Leftwich is going to leave because he should get a job because he's that good. With that, we're going to go to – let me see right over here. We went over fantasy football. We'll get into um, everything next week because we'll get to preview uh, our matchups more next week once we kind of figure out where everybody is and they – go and post official injury reports. So we'll talk about that next week. Um, Josh, where can we find you on the socials? Where can we find the GSP on certain platforms like YouTube? Yeah, of course. Uh, as always, follow me on Twitter at JP Huffine. Uh, see all my thoughts on racing, um, on on uh, other things I'm interested in. Um, see my thoughts on the football Um at JP Huffine, you can follow me on there. Um, see our retweets from the podcast. You know, see my thoughts on you know money and all that other stuff. And, and you know, follow me at JP Huffine. Uh, and then, of course, uh, the YouTube page, which you can follow Gripshire Podcasts on YouTube. Uh, follow the page and get our video feed and see our mug shots, as you call it, Phil. See us talk about uh, everything and. Uh, that we just went over and see our, our videos. We'll have, hopefully have the videos up by the end of the week and, you know, you can watch us on there and, you know, see, uh, see us if you want to, sh- um, set it, if you, you know, want to watch the video or just listen to the audio, but have the video up, um, you know, you can watch us on there. So, um, yeah, go on, subscribe to the page and, uh, get notifications for when, you know, this, uh, YouTube video comes out so you can support the page. Uh, so 
yeah, and of course, uh, the iRacing streams, uh, you know, didn't talk about that right now, but of course we talked about it on Monday. I was always followed at twitch.tv slash too. Go there and follow uh, my uh, iRacing stuff and content. You know, maybe one of these days, you know, we just talked about Dale Jr. Racing and uh, the late models here at North Wilkesboro. You know, maybe maybe we see me uh, racing against Dale Jr. in the future. I don't know. We'll have to, have to see, uh, you know, I have to get a little bit higher in my ranking on iRacing or enter a special event like the, uh, uh, what is it called? The firecracker 400 or something like that. So, um, yeah, go and follow me on there. Twitch TV slash, uh, you sailor to go, go follow me on there. So yeah, you close out the rest, Phil, you're on mute. You need me to go and announce your, your feed when you go and say slap job when, when you go and pass June bug, uh, and yeah, then use them up and then, and probably cause a wreck, but, <laughs> um, but either way, I figure you'll be able to go and race against your, uh, hero, one of your heroes. And I'm not going to be able to race against Tony Stewart anytime soon. So it is what it is, even though he does eye racing and the whole bit, but he's too busy with his wife. So I'd rather learn his, I'd rather, uh, learn about some of his extracurriculars more than his driving ability because he's a goat as a driver, but I, I, I want to know about what he does outside of the, outside of the cockpit. Uh, personally, uh, you can find me at Philip G. Matthew on Twitter. You can find us at Gripster pod on Twitter. You can find us at Gripster podcast on YouTube. Uh, anywhere you listen to podcasts, you can find the Gripster podcast. We will be back for episode one thirty three next weekend or next week to go and talk about, Darlington, NASCAR Cup and Xfinity. We'll also talk about Formula One in, uh, in the Dutch Grand Prix and then also the Italian Grand Prix, the Indy cars at Portland, and then their last race at Laguna Seca. And the NFL season will start uh, next week on uh, before the Gripture Podcast post. So uh, we'll talk about that and our picks for... Uh, you know, I guess our what what do we think our teams are gonna do? What do we think our our fantasy teams are gonna do? And then who do we think is gonna go and make it to Arizona and Glendale for the Super Bowl in February? Uh, we'll talk about all that on the Gripshire Podcast next episode. Uh, for Josh, I'm Phil. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for supporting us. Um, take care. God bless. We'll see you next time. Goodbye.